This podcast is developed by Bridge Bio to educate ourselves and the public about living with a rare disease. Since our guests aren't scripted and are free to speak their minds, their views and opinions do not necessarily reflect the views and policy of Bridge Biopharma. Thanks for joining us. And now here's the podcast. Welcome to On Rare, a rare disease podcast produced by Bridge Bio, a biotech company that focuses on developing treatments for rare diseases. At On Rare, we explore the diverse experiences of people living with rare conditions. I'm your host, Mandy Rorick, a member of the patient advocacy team, and I'm joined by my colleague, David Rintel, head of patient advocacy. Hi, David. How are you today? Hi, Mandy. I'm great. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm really excited. We get to speak with Kristen, who's not only a powerful patient advocate, but she also is a parent of a son who has a condition called erythropoietic protoprophyria, or EPP. It's a condition that's really characterized by severe, non-blistering pain around sunlight. It's really interesting, so I'm excited to learn more. Yeah, I am too. I have to admit, I don't know much about porphyria and EPP. I'm hoping to learn more from Kristen. First, we'll hear from my colleague, Morgan Paul. Morgan and I have worked together for many years at Bridge Bio. He's the head of strategy for the porphyria program, which is known as Portal. Welcome, Morgan. Thanks, David. Good to be here. So erythropoietic porphyria, or EPP, how does EPP affect people who are living with it? EPP manifests as very extreme sensitivity to the sun. Uh, individuals who have EPP can only go out into the sun for sometimes as few as a handful of minutes. Um, sometimes it's a little bit longer uh, before they start to feel an itching and a tingling. And if they stay longer than that, it can develop into a very painful phototoxic attack of the skin. Um, as you can imagine, this really limits uh, the way that people are able to live their lives. You hear stories about people who live with EPP having to even think about the trip between their car and the grocery store, for example, something that you or I wouldn't wouldn't think twice about. So it can have a very severe impact on the, their life. Yeah. And what is it that causes such sensitivity to sunlight in EPP? It's an inherited condition. There's a protein which doesn't work the way it normally would in you or I. It's a little bit slower to produce the compound which it's, it, it normally produces in the body. That compound is the molecule called heme, which is what carries the oxygen from our lungs to the rest of our bodies. Mm -hmm. In people with EPP, the protein works a little bit more slowly, causes a large buildup of the almost finished heme. And because this compound itself absorbs sunlight very easily, so when it is carried around the body in the red blood cells, it creates a situation where the sunlight is absorbed into this molecule and then essentially burns the tissue that's around it. Uh -huh. So it can cause burns in the blood vessels as well. So this unfinished molecule for heme intensifies the effect of the sun for people living with EPP. Would that be correct to say? Exactly. M much, much more intense than, than you or I getting a sunburn. Yeah. It is in the skin in the sense that it's you feel the pain on the skin. So it's not like a sunburn. It is a burning feeling. That's right. Exactly. So people who live with EPP have to avoid sunlight and sunlight is present every day, but sometimes it's cloudier, but still it's the sun is there. Is there anything currently available to help people with EPP in terms of medication or treatment? Yes, there is one approved treatment 
what it does is increase the pigmentation in the patient's skin. So this puts a barrier between the, the blood and the sunlight. Mm -hmm. Patients who, who have access to this, yeah. I've heard it is helpful to have a few more minutes in the sun. Um, extending that clock is meaningful so that a trip to the grocery store isn't as scary, but there's still a lot uh, of unmet need here. Yeah. So the existing medicine enables people to be in the sun a bit longer. But David, the currently approved medication requires uh, an injection. It requires special training by the doctor. There's only certain centers which are able to give it. Mm -hmm. Another unmet need with EPP is that some patients struggle to clear the unfinished heme from the blood. Uh, so this happens via the liver, and it can cause stress and even, in some cases, failure of the liver, which would require a transplant. And so these patients often live in uh, fear of what might happen if their liver were to fail. Yes, yeah. Very serious to have liver damage or even a transplant. Uh, one last question, Morgan, and thank you. You've been very helpful. Why do some people develop EPP and other people don't? Yeah, that's a great question. It's an inherited genetic condition. It results when there is much reduced activity uh, in the enzyme, which, which finishes the heme. So like many of the other conditions you have spoken about on this podcast, uh, it's an inherited condition where there often are carriers uh, in, right. in the parents. And if a fetus inherits two complete non-working copies, does that mean that the pregnancy isn't viable? That's right. Um, because in order to survive, we do need some of this heme in order to carry the oxygen in our uh, blood. Because then there would be no hemoglobin and no ability to carry oxygen around. Is that correct? That's right. So what's important to remember is that it's an inherited condition and a person with EPP would have two parents who are carriers, like, as you said, like many conditions. So the parents may not have the condition themselves, but be carriers. Right. Thank you so much, Morgan. You've given us a great background. And I think when Kristen joins, we'll really understand this condition much better. So thank you very much. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm really pleased to invite Kristen to our podcast. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us today. Thank you, David, so much for having me. So, Kristen, we know that your son Brady lives with a form of porphyria called EPP. He does. If we could just begin before you ever heard of EPP and what were the things that were happening? So I am the lucky mom of three boys, Cameron, Zach, and Brady. Uh, I pretty much knew. Brady with my third mm. son, what typical was like. And some strange things started happening. Mm. I would say the first time was when he was one. We were on a vacation. We were actually in Canada. We had spent the day at a uh, man-made pond with cousins and friends. And at the end of that day, he became inconsolable, writhing on the floor. Um, his hands and his feet blew up, like serious swelling. We took him to the doctor, to the ER, and uh, they gave him some prednisone. And it was a week of absolute painful writhing on the floor. And then it went away. And about maybe a year later, the same thing happened at a different location. And we thought, okay, this is weird. This has happened once before, but okay. And it went away. The third time, uh, we were on a family trip in Florida and we got there before our hotel room was ready. And 
Uh, so we thought, okay, great time to go to the pool. We were at the pool for maybe a couple hours and I have the picture of that and I would caption it as the last time Brady ever was just free in the sun. Uh, that evening, he started how I described that first reaction. He started just writhing in pain. As the hours wore on, he was absolutely inconsolable. We didn't sleep for the week, a week. He wouldn't go outside. And again, that's the last time that Brady was free in the sun. When we got home, I first we went to the pediatrician, said something is wrong with my son. And they said, no, there's nothing to see. You know, maybe it's in his head. Have you tried this? Like, okay, let's go to a dermatologist. So I found a pediatric dermatologist. His words were, um, dermatology is a visual science and there's nothing to see here. Uh, so I was like, okay, I know there's something wrong with my child. We went to allergists mm-hmm. where I got speeches about reactions versus allergies. We had another visit to ER. I mean, loads of doctors till we finally got in with a pediatric dermatology specialist Mm. located really close to our home. And this doctor, he listened to me, looked at Brady, looked at mainly his his hands actually, and the words erythropoietic protoporphyria. Seriously, David rolled off his tongue like he diagnoses this every day of his of his career. Uh, turns out this doctor had seen one prior case, which he Mm -hmm. had followed. And because of that, he recognized the symptoms. He knew how to test for it and Mm -hmm. knew how to start to guide us to care. So Kristen, this was after three episodes of a tremendously painful experience for Brady that seemed to occur following exposure to the sun And then you heard all kinds of interpretations, including that it must be in his head, even though, of course, as a parent, you knew that that was Mm -hmm. real. And then you finally, after many, many doctor visits, Mm -hmm. go to someone who was able to recognize it, looking at his hands, even though he wasn't having this thing happen then. And what was it in his hands that tipped off the doctor? So it is on your hands. Well, first, I want to back up just for a second because the disease is invisible. And this is a huge reason it is both underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. Like that dermatologist said, it's visual science. And if they don't have anything to see, it's, you know, they're making things up of what could this be. Um, And the clue was that in someone with EPP, on their knuckles or joints, it's either scarring or leathering of their skin. It looked different than your typical three-year-old. But mostly, David, he listened. He listened to what we Mm -hmm. described. Uh, And even more importantly, he knew where to go to get testing and what testing to do. That was absolutely critical. If I had an underliner on a podcast, I Mm -hmm. would underline your statement about listening. Uh, you know, I know it's hard and they have a lot to do and they need to, they're asked to see a lot of people or a lot of kids, but listening to, to parents and to the person experiencing symptoms are really, really, that is just irreplaceable. It's true. And I think, you know, so often I've heard with so many patients I've talked to over the years that when they stop and hear their symptoms, like really what is going on Mm -hmm. in an attack of EPP or reaction with EPP, it is really not similar to anything else. It also takes a doctor, I think, taking that extra step to care. 
that it's not yeah. in their head or there's something yeah. real going on. And that takes advocacy as well, which I've learned. Let me also say as a human being and as a parent, watching your child writhing in pain over an extended period of time, that is, mm-hmm. it's just unimaginable. And you experienced this three times and then okay. still were told by dermatologists that, well, there's, there's nothing going on you know, trying to school you on uh, the difference between allergies and reactions, which is interesting, but not in this case. Yeah. And then there's also the conjecture that goes on in there. Like, okay, he was in the pool. Was it the pool chlorine? He was a hotel. Was it the detergent they used? Uh, You know, was it the, oddly or ironically, was it a sunscreen he used um, that was causing it? Really trying to find something that could be the culprit. Mm -hmm. It's a leap of mind. Allergic to the sun. To, allergic to the sun is the easy way to explain APP. But yeah. it is a leap of mind uh, for anyone to think, wait, what? Mm-hmm. That's not true. That, that's not a thing. You can't be allergic to the sun. Yeah. And what you're describing, Kristen, is something that you hear often mm-hmm. for people living with rare mm-hmm. diseases trying to get a diagnosis. It is natural for healthcare providers to start with what is the most common cause of the type of symptom and examine it. Yeah. So those were the the way that the linens were treated or the something in the pool. Those are all things yeah. that are much more common. One of the symbols for rare diseases is the zebra. And the purpose of talking about it is that sometimes when you hear horses, it's not a horse at all. It's a zebra. It's unexpected. And in this case, it's a really good example. Mm-hmm. And think about how long you went without a diagnosis or explanation. And if you hadn't gotten to that healthcare provider who had once yeah. seen a case of EPP, who knows how much longer you would still be going from healthcare provider to healthcare mm-hmm. provider, trying to get an ex- explanation of what's going on and to try to prevent these attacks of APP in Brady. Yeah, it was a pure blessing that we were connected with that doctor and subsequently connected with that patient that he had first seen and his yeah. mom. So, and then, you know, deep into the Porphyria community. So we're blessed in so many ways, um, oh, well. finding silver linings. Yeah. Going back to that visit with the doctor, what did you first learn more about EPP? Sure. So after he said the name, of course, you do what mom does without freaking out. But if this is true, if what's mm-hmm. going on, if you just Google mm-hmm. porphyria, you find the worst possible images and the worst possible explanations. There are eight main types of porphyria But reading about it, I thought, okay, we don't know if this is true yet. Uh, He seemed pretty darn confident. And again, the way it rolled off his tongue, I thought, wow, this this Mm -hmm. doctor knows what he's talking about. It is a blood screen. And he said, yeah, he confirmed your son has EPP. I literally, David fell to the floor crying. This will impact everything uh, for him. My friend came over, one of my best friends at the time, and just fell in her arms. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this going to look like for us? for him, for our family. How do you avoid the sun? Like, what does this mean? That was an initial reaction, but it turned into really career-changing, life-changing. Brady is this amazing, resilient, Mm -hmm. terrific person who has navigated this disease. We've had the many times where it's tearful and we'll have ourselves a pity party and this is really hard and just wants to be normal and walk out the front door without thinking about the sun and where it is and what time of day it is. Mm -hmm. He just wants that and he's he's Mm -hmm. navigated it beautifully. So Kristen. But with a lot of work. Yeah, thank you. So let's just go back um, immediately you recognized how Mm life-changing this is going to be, not just for Brady, but for your whole family. Mm -hmm. 
So they had the diagnosis, and it sounds like one of the first things they told you is that Brady needs to avoid the sun, which is anything that happens out of doors, I assume. But what did they tell you that you need to do? Well, that's as wonderful as uh, that doctor was. That was the extent of the knowledge. Uh, So then we were passed over to a hematologist. This is a blood disease. So hematology, we would think, would manage it. And every time we went to a hematologist, I ended up knowing more than she did within the space of the first appointment. And it is, uh, as an example, and this happens so much, when blood tests are taken, the mm-hmm. sample needs to be protected from light. Oh. To protect it from light, every phlebotomist will argue with you. No, it doesn't. I don't have any other tests. I do that within my lab. So every parent bring a piece of foil mm. with you and insist this needs to be covered to get proper lab results from falling to the floor to learning all the details and intricacies of this disease. Yeah, that is incredible that even a blood sample needs to be protected from light. So the doctor said, avoid the sun, the first doctor. And gave us some sunscreen. And gave sunscreen. And Amy, our producer, said, mm-hmm. is it the same on a sunny or a cloudy day? Like, can you just go into that a little bit more? How do you navigate life avoiding the sun? So a typical EPP reaction starts when you're exposed to sunlight. It's a burning, stinging, itching feeling. And when someone starts to feel that, uh, it's because they've been exposed to visible light. And that's why, it, even though it's a blood disease, it comes off as a dermatological disease. And most people are diagnosed by dermatology. So they have this burning, itching feeling. If they seek safety, safety being shade, uh, darkness, it can resolve within, and it depends on the patient, but it can resolve within maybe half a day, a day. And they'll feel this low level of discomfort. Some would call it pain. However, if they don't seek shade, if they get too much sun, then it goes into a full-blown reaction. A full-blown reaction is like nothing you ever, ever want to experience. It'll put you down for days. You cannot focus on anything else. It is swelling. It is excruciating pain, touching anything, and heat, cold. Um, Sleeping is impossible. I've heard of patients who sleep with their arms kind of elevated, like levitating almost, so it doesn't touch anything. Um, And your personality changes. You can't think of anything but that pain. So even if you are, as a person with EPP, completely covered up head to toe with protective gear and you miss one little spot, maybe your glove has an opening and there's one little spot, that spot right there, it's excruciating. So once you have had an experience like that, you become sun avoidant. You don't want to experience that thing that is causing you that torture and that pain. So patients become really sun avoidant. They become isolated. You know, there's a lot of anxiety. So for Brady, we Mm -hmm. always have safety for him, whether it's a blanket in the car, whether it's tinted windows, an outfit, an umbrella, he always has access to safety. And Mm -hmm. I'd like to go back, if you would repeat the beginning of that question, David, because there's something that was important, the question that Okay. Yeah. The question was, you were initially told to avoid the sun. That in itself is quite complicated since the sun is out every day during the daytime. What other kind of instructions or guidance were you given about managing EPP? None. (laughs) The answer is none. It was avoid the sun and then uh, wear protective clothing, wear sunscreen, which oddly it doesn't work because EPP uh, reacts to visible light. And most sunscreens, unless they have zinc oxide, it has to be a completely opaque. 
And you asked earlier about the type of day and uh, the weather. Someone with EPP, mm-hmm. uh, they're very attuned to their body and how much they can take. And there's varying levels of severity in EPP. When I say severity, mm-hmm. it's typically referred to as how much time you have in the sun before you start to experience that burning, itching, tingling I described. So Brady has now in the sun, um, maybe a minute, two minutes max before he starts to feel that. And we actually, when he was younger, we timed it as we wanted to know mm-hmm. how much time do you have? And I wanted to be able to tell teachers or coaches or, you know, other parents, friends, how much time does he have? So Mm -hmm. we literally put him in the shade, his whole body in the shade, put his hand in the sun and timed it and said, tell us, tell me, Brady, when you start to feel anything. And at that time, it was 32 seconds. I took that 32 seconds. I told every teacher, I told every coach, I told every friend. And then thinking about it, I'm like, all right, Brady, you have 32 seconds to get to the safety of the car or from the car to the front door or you know, to a doctor's office or to school. So we use, really use that as a barometer. Other people have 10 to 15 oh minutes. Goodness. Some people have up to an hour or some actually several hours. But the important thing is that each patient, no matter how long it takes them to get to that pain, they still feel that same pain and severity. Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking about the time spent at the pool and it's well over 30 seconds, obviously. Yeah, there's, there's no time at a pool or beach or unless it's after sundown. Personalities, I just love it. It's like a light switch at sundown. Your actual personality and the yeah. part of your brain that oh, you've wow. completely been yeah. worrying about. How do I avoid the sun? How do I not cross this line? How do I protect myself? That part disappears. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would like to see 24 mm-hmm. hours a day for people with EPP. Yes. So would you mind telling us about a typical day for Brady? I mean, he's got to leave the house and get to school and, you know, you've mentioned sports. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind telling us, I want to say to shed light on how he goes through a day without sun exposure, but even to say shed light around Brady (laughs) is like, I'm... We don't want to shed light, but we want to learn the light at the end of the tunnel. Or, I mean, there are so many sayings that, and I got to say, people are so happy about the sun. People love the sun. Like the first day of spring, and I feel this when you know you put your head to the sun or you just feel that warmth. Like that is such a beautiful thing. And someone with EPP, it triggers this anxiety. They don't know how to experience the sun. And, and again, that's mm. kind of that, that leap of mind that's really hard for uh, someone without EPP to understand about someone who's yeah, living with that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to use that word anymore, but please share with us what a typical day oh, sure. is in terms of going through activities with Brady and how you and he and your family manage. Sure. But by the way, I often say condition. he shines from within. Okay, a good, typical yes. day for Brady, mind you, he's 18 now. It changes throughout the years. We manage it as a family compared to how he has had to manage it as he grew up and had to become more independent. And that was a really big focus of my husband and mine in really helping him to become a self-advocate. Not only I can't be here, I can't stand here at this window or near this pool or water or in the sunlight, but I, I, I'm safe over there. Um, so a typical day in the life would be he will wake up and he will think about the weather 
So what is it doing out there? He will check it. He's kind of obsessed with the weather app. He would plan his day around the sun, around what clothing he will need or have to wear. If he wants to go outside, even a walk in the dog, what path would he take? I mean, it is every single detail. He and others with EPP are just always thinking about it. To navigate a day is protective clothing and avoiding sunlight. I often say Mm -hmm. to people, if you want to try this, it's the shadow jumper challenge. People with EPP are known as shadow jumpers. They jump from safe spot to safe spot or shadow to shadow to find their next safe place. So they go through their life shadow jumping. Try that. Try to avoid visible light. You would not be sitting, uh, David, next to the window. I see you sitting near. You would avoid that at all costs because both goes through windows and it goes through water Mm -hmm. and reflective from water. Uh, someone living in a city, you would avoid the reflection of tall buildings while also going to the shady side of the street. You would in a classroom, Brady has through lots of help with, you know, meeting with school teachers and a lot of education of school systems and his teachers every year, he can't be near a window. He can't go out for recess like Mm -hmm. a normal child. Uh, If there's a fire drill, what's he going to do? How are you going to protect him? Um, A field Mm -hmm. trip is the I mean, that is all kinds of uh, organization and thought, you know, all the teachers want like, hey, let's let's go outside today. And because it's a gorgeous day outside, let's go outside and do a lesson. That is a a trigger uh, to someone with EPP. He would constantly be finding that next safe place. Now, the weather Mm -hmm. is an interesting thing, Brady. It was a bright, sunny day. How long could you stand out there? The response would be, it depends. And the same response would be if it was a cloudy day. Have I had exposure the day before? Because mm-hmm. it is cumulative. What you plan one day yeah. impacts the next day. And it depends how much visible light you have collected. Mm-hmm. And then it is a risk-benefit decision to them every moment. Am I going to risk this time in the sun or this walk or this getting to school or sitting here uh, to experience pain? Or am I not willing to do that? that turns into a very personal choice of Mm. how to navigate and live with this disease. Mm -hmm. So Brady is 18. He's lived with EPP. You've all lived with it. Uh, Presumably he had it before you. It's genetic. So he was born with it. When does it start to appear is another thing. And it depends on the person. Yeah. So when you think about an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old is making a transition of having his parents helping to manage a condition to manage this as an independent adult. This could be very limiting to many things 18-year-olds like to do. So So it did impact the decision-making process and what he wanted to do next and where he wanted to go. So Brady is going to college. He selected a university that is in the upper northeast of uh, the U.S., Every time he tells people that he's going to Syracuse University, the first thing they say is, oh, it's cold. And I said, do you know who you're talking to? Like, it's (laughs) beautiful. He is really looking forward to uh, colder weather, shorter days. He wanted a mid-sized school so he could really create the community that has been so amazingly helpful to him throughout his whole life. You gotta, you need your people around you who get you. And he's had that and he's looking to, seeking to recreate that in college. And also a big thing is he's very uh, into sports and all the games, even football, everything is Mm -hmm. in a dome Mm -hmm. and it's undercover. He's literally like, mom, I can go to everything. I don't even have to think about it. So that is hugely exciting to him. 
Oh, great, great. And it sounds like his preparation to manage EPP as an individual, as an independent adult, started many, many years ago. And uh, yeah. so he knows how to, how to do it now. And That um, is true. It still breaks my heart as a mom. Oh, he tells me when he's had a lingering reaction or he did mm. too much and it's, and it's really hurting or mm-hmm. he really did too much and he yeah. just can't do something or at graduation there, of course there were mm. the pool parties yeah. and the outdoor things so much, which he just couldn't do. And it's, he did not want to be that kid sitting in the corner um, or undercover while other people were in the yeah. sun. So it, it's, you choose your battles. Uh, oh, yeah. So he has become yeah. a little bit wiser on choosing his battles. And throughout mm-hmm. growing up, if there was something that he couldn't do, we would make something that he could do. Yeah. Yeah. As a young adult, he's going to have to be very strategic because so much happens mm-hmm. out of doors and in terms of social life and uh, with uh, you know, romantic figures that it's pretty hard yeah. to explain. What is fascinating to me that they have these tricks. You wouldn't know they're doing it, but the tricks they do to get through a day. And I actually recently heard a conversation among I had four people who had EPP together. And the thing was, hey, do you walk with your palms up? Palms don't, aren't impacted. Mm-hmm. The back of their hands are the worst. So they literally walk down the street like this, or they will they have their hands in their pocket. They know where the sun is, so their tilt of the head is away yeah. from the sun. They are ingenious at drawing a conversation mm-hmm. from one spot where they can't stand to a place where they can stand. And it just becomes kind of innate in how they navigate their lives. Uh, you know, it's a learned thing. Uh, it's fascinating uh, to me uh, to watch mm-hmm. him survive by finding mm-hmm. these small techniques that would get him through a day. Yeah. Yeah, the tricks or techniques you're describing people adapting to living with this condition and learning how to pain. live a full life and and reduce the amount of pain and reduce the amount of time that you have to limit your pain activities. Pain is their motivator to seek shade, to seek safety. I often have parents will say, I'm so worried yeah. about my yeah. child. Uh, they're going in the sun too much. Like, yeah. They will, They know their limits. You mm-hmm. have to help them learn their oh, limits yes. to how long they can be mm-hmm. in the sun. And it changes every day. So, you know, teach them how to do it and they'll live a much fuller life. Yeah. Um, so I think you mentioned Brady's interest in mm-hmm. sports and being out on the field. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he has been successful at playing sports, at least at certain times yeah. in his life. And I wonder how... How, how to manage sure. that because almost all of them take place out of doors and no, in the sure. sun. So when he was younger, he actually picked baseball as a sport he was very interested in, right? Mike, my husband and I, we've always been like, all right, you want to try something? Let's make it happen. Uh, we will try. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, we'll try something else. So baseball, my husband started coaching Little League. We worked with the club. We had times of practice that were either 8 a.m. or 5 p.m. We checked out each field so we could designate fields where he would be safe, where there'd be a line of trees. He started as catcher because catcher, you're all covered up. You're protected. Um, You know, the time of day where he could play. And this takes a community also, right, of other kids who are willing and families who are willing to adapt to this. We would talk to the other coaches beforehand so we could have the dugout on the shade side. The way I'm yapping about that, talking about this is how you navigate everything with EPP, like all this thought. In um, baseball, things get more competitive. It is a, you know, a tournament. He couldn't do a tournament. You, he couldn't stand in the sun for multiple games. I mean, it became more and more difficult and eventually in his mind, not worth it. 
I, I've yeah. heard this so much throughout his life. You know, couldn't he have just done this or couldn't he choose volleyball or bowling or, and believe me, I tried to steer him to a racquetball, <laughs> Battle, like, name it. There's so much, mm. um, mm-hmm. but it really yeah. ends up to be like, okay, what do you want to do? If you just want to mm-hmm. be typical, if yeah. you want to feel normal, you also want to do things yeah. that just yeah. naturally interest yeah. you. So yeah. again, you know, you can try mm-hmm. it, you can cover up, yeah. you know, that's how we live. I don't think everyone has that view, yeah. but that's how we have, you know, how we as a family, my husband and Brady's two older brothers uh, have chosen to experience this disease. Mm-hmm. With his mm-hmm. brothers just walking along the street, they were taught Brady's first point of safety is your shade. Oh, and I always taught this to teachers. Yeah. He could stand in front of you, behind you, how he told you about tips and tricks. I've heard the patients like crossing a street, try and stand behind the one pole. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a little bit of shade. He had two brothers, one for each hand, and they would hold his hand so they weren't exposed as he crossed the street. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it just made all the difference in navigating this. Yeah. So... It's a very good description of shade jumping, as you said earlier, the shade jumpers. So is there anything that is helpful for the pain? I mean, that just seems so challenging. Nothing but time and darkness. Not Advil, not Tylenol. There are no analgesics. It is time. When Brady was younger, we put cold washcloths. We'll put a fan. But as long as that fan's not on too high or too low or too cooling, it is just time. The pathway for the pain in EPP is really poorly understood. Uh, so we don't even really understand mm-hmm. that. You know, patients talking to one another, like, what works for you? How do you manage this? Uh, and then just waiting it out. Brady mm. had an older mm. gentleman tell him, I sound crazy saying this to you, but when you feel the beginnings of a reaction, take a hot shower and it'll be the most painful thing you do but then the pain will reduce quicker. So that's what Brady will do. He starts like that tingling, itching. He mm. goes up and takes a hot, hot mm. shower. And I, I just can't imagine why it's effective for him uh, to, to help with the pain, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like in with regard to pain, except for the hot shower technique, for which I feel personally grateful to that gentleman for explaining to Brady, Is there any kind of treatment currently for EPP? Yes, there is. But what's really important about it is the statistic you hear. You talked about zebras before. So when you think of all the zebras out there in rare disease, that the statistic you hear is uh, 95% of rare diseases, of which there are somewhere 7 to Mm 10,000, do not have an FDA-approved treatment or a treatment that is in clinical trial. In the porphyrias as a whole, we are blessed to have three FDA-approved treatments, one for EPP. It is an implant. It looks like a kind of a piece of spaghetti, and Mm -hmm. it is implanted Mm -hmm. uh, down near your hip bone. It is a slow-release medication that gives you, it's almost like having a systemic Mm -hmm. tan, and that tan gives Mm -hmm. you a barrier to the sun. So it is an implant every two months to those who are able to access it and have insurance that allows them to or can self-pay, which is insane. The next one Mm. is a Mm. uh, pill that does the same thing. And now the third, giving them more time before they experience the pain or the beginnings of an EPP reaction. So it is a Mm. game changer. The Mm -hmm. first one that has really focused on the disease. So very, I'm very pleased to hear that there have been clinical trials and that there are some mm-hmm. options and even giving someone yeah. a bit more time with sun exposure means so much to quality of life. Yeah. So 
you know, the uh, medication doesn't give each person with EPP the same sort of length in the sun, but it mm. is what is valuable to you. So you as David, if you all of a sudden had one or two minutes like Brady, that would be life impacting for you. For someone mm-hmm. like Brady to have 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I mean, an hour is mind blowing yeah. of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like your perspective changes on what level, how many minutes is important to you. Yeah, one thing that's really salient is people living with EPP are unable to do something that we take completely for granted and don't even notice that we're enjoying. And that is the freedom to be out in any kind of weather and to be exposed to the sun, except you know, if we're very sensitive or we're out for a really, really long time with, without any ill effects. I so. feel like there is a line that everyone crosses every morning, right? You go out your front door, there's a line where you're in shade, and then mm-hmm. there's a line when you're mm-hmm. outside. Yep. And to cross that line, someone with EPP needs to put on their armor. And when I say armor, it is both internal and external yeah. armor, where your protective gear and your internal armor of like, I can take this. Yes. How am I going to think through this day? Who am I going to yeah. be with? How am I going to tamp this anxiety I feel? I, you know, I know mm-hmm. I burst out my door this morning. I was getting to work. I, can, I ran to the I car. Can. I didn't think about it. Uh, I crossed that line yeah. without thinking about it. Um, after Brady walked out the line this morning and said, okay, what am I wearing? Where am I going? How long do I have to be there? It's a lot of brain share. Uh, what I hope for, for patients with EPP is for that to go away. There's this... Yeah biopsychosocial thing where your everything emotional is impacted. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would love Brady and people like him mm-hmm. to be able to walk out the door, not even thinking about it, that this is a, a non-thing in their lives. And that's a goal as an advocate. Yes, I would like that too. And I'm sure all of us would like for Brady to experience the freedom that we, as I said, take for granted. Freedom. We're so appreciative of your telling your story and Brady's story and Just if you could tell us a little bit about the decision to become more of an advocate for people living with EPP or with porphyria. And I know that you founded an organization, United Porphyrias. And I know this could be an entirely separate podcast. I think what's most important is you made a decision to advocate not just for your own family member, but for people living with this condition. So if you could tell us a bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Most people whose child is uh, diagnosed with a rare disease, your life takes a big left turn. This became both personal and professional for me. So my background is in business and Mm -hmm. public health. So really, it was kind of all roads led to advocacy. So when he was diagnosed, you know, I put my toe into the community and living in Washington, D.C. area, very Mm. close to NIH, Mm -hmm. very close to the FDA Capitol Hill. So whenever there was a need or an opportunity in this area, I got involved. And then the more I fell into it, that, you know, I really love this. And I went back Mm -hmm. and got a master's Mm -hmm. certification in public health. And now I'm working on a doctorate in public health, whatever time or skill set I have that can help impact this for not only my son, but for everyone with porphyria, that's what I feel called to do. I see them as well as the basic uh, researchers uh, as the key to changing things for our patient community. They're the source of hope for people living with EPP and other porphyrias as their work is so essential. You've said my favorite word, David. My favorite word is hope. (laughs) Hope is ineffective without action. Mm -hmm. And I swear, David, Mm -hmm. I took that to heart. I thought, you know what? I can hope all day long for Brady to want to be in the sun, for him to want that freedom that, that 
you know, so many people and I take for granted, but unless I act or I get involved, then I, I can hope all day long, but I won't be contributing to a result. Well, thank you for your work and thank you for joining us on, on Rare. And I hope that we encourage more scientists to turn hope into action for people living with EPP and other porphyrias. David, with this conversation with you, if one physician recognizes the disease or one patient is diagnosed quicker or we can help even just one person manage this better, this will have been a success. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you. David, what an incredible conversation. I had no idea that there was a condition where sunlight could be so harmful. We always hear how important it is to get sunlight, to get vitamin D, and then to hear that sunlight for these individuals can be so harmful was really a learning experience for me. Yeah, it was eye-opening, Mandy. It makes me think about how much we take for granted in life. And those of us who are generally blessed with good health don't think about all of the activities that we do going out of the house is part of daily life. It affects your quality of life. We all want to get outside, whether it's to do errands or to participate in sports. And just hearing about the experience of Brady having to be so cautious, how do you plan activities outside of the house when you have to continuously be concerned about sunlight? Yes, definitely. I really... I really enjoyed hearing, however, how this family, they really linked arms and figured out ways for Brady mm. to continue to do what he loved. Yeah. Brady's brothers would walk in a certain position so that Brady was in their shadow and protected from the sunlight. I thought that was just so heartwarming. I, I agree, Mandy. To listen to her talking about it, it's become just part of their way of life. I think that Kristen's pivot from being a mom of a child with a rare condition to becoming an activist, that's one way to get control over a situation where you really have very little control. But advocating for people living with porphyria is a way of doing something about a condition, even if you may not be able to stop the sun from shining. Yes. We use the term, you know, in the shadows as if that is a situation that people want to get out of. But the shadows are what are the safe place for Brady and people like Brady and just really something to think about. And that's why they call them shadow jumpers. Exactly right, Mandy. And I'll be thinking about the shadow jumpers. And I hope that treatment options will improve and that individuals and families living with porphyria won't need to worry about leaving the house. Thank you, Kristen, David, and Morgan for helping us to learn about EPP. And a very special thanks to our producer, Amy Brooks. To learn more about EPP, visit the United Porphyrias Association at porphyria.org. And that's spelled P-O-R-P-H-Y-R-I-A.org. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Thanks for listening. And please join us for our next conversation on Rare. Rare.